0: I tell you, I love missions. I love missionaries. You know why? Not because I like the time and the atmosphere. It's not that. I, we were in deputation for two long years. And i tell you one of the things that I saw I could write a book about it, to be honest with you. I saw little kids walking in all happy, mommies smiling, and daddies uh, with their ties and suits. You know why? And a lot of struggles behind that. I saw missionaries quitting. I saw that too. I saw one right in a missions conference quit. I saw and heard stories of missionaries sleeping in churches parking lots because the church will not even do anything for them. Uh, I saw missionaries, uh, I heard stories of missionaries crying, telling them they arrived at the church and the church didn't even remember the missionary was coming. I heard all those things. I could write a book, a novel, a book about things that are going on and the sacrifices that are made by families. We don't understand. I tell you what, I came from a different culture, a different country. And for a missionary to go to a different country and learn the language and learn the culture, it's very extremely difficult. And they go in Jesus' name. They do that in Jesus' name. You know what, today we think, wow, well, that's not like in Jesus' time, people walked miles and miles to preach their wonderful gospel. Today we have have many benefits. I tell you what, in America or abroad, we should always welcome our missionaries. We should always do, because their needs, they need to be respected. You know, uh, they are the messengers of the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you what, I, uh, I... I don't want to cry here today, you know, because it's very touching because I saw it. Uh, what was going on about missions and missionaries. It blesses my heart to see someone willing to leave the comforts of life and go into mission fields. or to go into the lands of America, proclaim the gospel. Go to public schools and prisons. To those who are locked up from society. And tell them there is a Jesus, there is a God that can forgive them. Society might never forgive them, but God can. People have a hard time with that. Thank you for that message this morning, brother, on, on forgiveness. But society might never forgive us or forgive those people, but God forgives. And that's the gospel of the message of the gospel that can go over cultures and borders and and, and languages and, 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 and colors of skin and, and go in and say, I forgive you. That's the wonderful gospel that we preach and proclaim every single Sunday. And that's that wonderful gospel that the missionaries take with them to abroad in other countries, also here in America. Folks, New England needs churches and missionaries. People say, well, Pastors go to New England to die there. I tell you what. It might be true in certain aspects, but let me tell you: if God's people would stand up and have great zeal for the gospel, even in New England, the light would shine bright. Right. The problem is, is we focus on those things, and we think, "Wow, well, what's the use?" As long as God is alive, we live in victory. And let me tell you this, there is a light that needs to go shine in dark places. The gospel came to New England first and traveled throughout America. Why we keep going the same thing, New England is dead. Or oh, let's revive New England with this wonderful gospel. Let's go in ways and byways of this New England towns and tell them that Jesus saves. Let's do that. I think things can change. But it starts in the house of God. Revival starts here so we can go out. Otherwise, we just, they look at us like, well, God is dead. God is not dead. God is alive. Amen. That's right. I love God's people that saying, Pastor, what about our, our praying for our... our All offering this morning. Let's pray. (laughs) Let's pray for our offering this morning. I encourage you this morning. You can give your tithes and offerings. There is in those boxes in the back. Give online dot com or send to our box, appeal box office, 14545 East Providence, Rhode Island, 02914. Isn't it nice I keep you off track here like you don't do the same routine, you know? (laughs) Anyway, we just keep... Let's pray for our our service and I will give a couple more words. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much, Lord, for this morning, for the blessing of being in your house today. Lord, we pray, Lord, for uh, you people this morning. Pray that we pray that we give to you as, Lord, your, your tithe and our, our offerings, Lord, with a, ch- a cheerful heart. And, Lord, for the further of this ministry, I pray that you bless it, bless the, the giving. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yeah. Well, Brother Frank is one of our missionary families that our church supporters and supports and we intend to keep on, on supporting him. He had a wonderful message this morning. It really touched my heart really deep about forgiveness. I tell you what, it's the hardest thing for anybody to do is to forgive. It is very hard. We are humans and it's easy to hold a grudge. It's easy to say, oh, I forgive you and when, the, when our own and that situation comes back to our mind, we don't have the forgiveness thing in our mind. We feed on it and feed on it. A uh, human heart. The Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. You can know it. But that was a good message, brother. Praise the Lord for that. That was a wonderful message. Uh, this preacher needed to hear that message as well. Anyway, Brother Frank, would you come? Preach for us this morning. Would right? have the Lord lay in your heart. He's one of our missionary families. And we, uh, it's a blessing to be behind him in the mission, uh, uh, ministry of the Rock of Ages, brother. And the children are dismissed for class.
1: All right, everybody. Glad to save this morning, say amen. 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 Glad to be in God's house. Appreciate you being here, being in your place on Sunday morning. Um, Those of you that don't know me, which is probably all of you, you've probably seen my picture hanging on the wall out here. Um, The best part of that picture is my wife and children. Uh, The rest of it's kind of (laughs) scary, but I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be here. I'm starting that stopwatch, and that way I know how long y'all been sitting, okay? Uh, Y'all going to stand here just a second, Lord willing, as we read our text. But I wanted to uh, just take just a moment and tell a little bit about what we're doing, uh, and then we'll get into the uh, scriptures this morning. Don't worry, we're still going to go to the Bible this morning, okay? Uh, but we are uh, working out of Granite State Baptist Church there in Concord, New Hampshire. Dr. Peter Chamberlain is our pastor. And if you haven't figured out by listening to me talk, uh, I'm not from here, okay? I'm uh, originally born and raised down south. I uh, lived in Georgia all my life. honestly thought I'd uh, die in Georgia. And I'm thankful God had mercy, amen? Let me come to New England. Let me live in the cold country. And I am, well, it didn't feel too cold this past summer, but uh, <laughs> let me live up here in New England. And I'm thankful to be here. We've been here since September of 2020. Uh, we moved up uh, during the wonderful height of COVID, and uh, it was a much different experience uh, up here than it was down south. Uh, down south, we have a, or we had a very different mentality concerning COVID um, than what was up here. But we'll leave that alone. All right. <laughs> uh, but we are uh, currently working uh, prisons and schools. Uh, right now we're in th- seven, seven fixing to be eight different facilities uh, in three different states, Maine, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. Uh, we're actually in all three state prisons in New Hampshire and then two county jails in New Hampshire and then a state prison in New, in Maine and a state prison here in Rhode Island. I'll get to work at the ACI right over here uh, every week. Uh, typically I'm there at least once, at least Twice a month, if not every week, Uh, I have other volunteers that go in and do the uh, Bible studies there on Friday mornings. We do a Bible study from 9.30 to 10.10 every Friday morning there at the ACI. And then, uh, Lord willing, actually in November, the first weekend in November, we'll actually have a revival meeting up at the Berlin State Prison up in uh, Berlin, New Hampshire. And we'll have uh, Friday... Friday and Saturday services we'll do um, from 9:30 in the morning or from 9 in the morning to 12:30 in the afternoon in the mornings, and then I uh, do a 6:30 to 8:30 service in the evenings. And we're excited about what God's going to do there. Uh, but since we've been in New England, uh, God's allowed us to see 15 people saved by the grace of God inside the facilities. Uh, that I, as of the date of my notes, it's actually probably closer to 20, 25 now. Um, But as of the date of these notes, which I don't remember what the date was, so I'll have to go back and update my notes, all right? Uh, But we've seen approximately 20 to 25 people saved by the grace of God here at New England inside the facilities. But then we've also, Lord's also allowed us to see four different people get saved by the grace of God inside the churches. Uh, Even though we live here in New England now, we are still actively involved in churches and being in church services and things of that nature Uh, My family doesn't travel with me as much anymore uh, just due to us being here and them needing the stability and things of that nature, Uh, but y'all have been supporting us now for a year and y'all had never met my family and I said, hey, y'all need to ride down to Rhode Island (laughs) with me this morning, so uh, we drove down last night, but I want to say thank you for your support, both your financial support and your prayerful support. I can tell you right now, it is not... The financial support is a blessing. Don't misunderstand me. But the prayer support, we have two different lists that we send out to. I have a a non-supporting list that has probably 300 and something different churches on it. But then I have another list that is a list of our supporting churches, and it's nowhere near as large as what the non-supporters is. And I had someone ask me the other day, said, why do you send out that many letters to non-supporting churches? And here's why because there are people in those churches that, though they'll never send us a dime, they call our name out every day in prayer. And I promise you, if somebody will pray for us, God will lay it on somebody's heart to give so that that way we can continue to go. We moved to New England in September 2020 with 44% of our needed support. Uh, We are now just over 88% of our needed support. Uh, in two years' time, God has brought in another 44%, and I bless His name for that. And God's the only one that can do it, I promise you. You'll hear me preach here in just a few moments. It's not my preaching, it's not my mannerisms, it's not my charisma or anything like that, but it's God that's doing it, and we're thankful for that. Uh, but here in New England, we've, uh, like I said, we're in seven different facilities. We're also in three different schools. Uh, we stay pretty busy. Uh, my weekends are the about the only times that... I'm not in a facility. I have a uh, facility. I work every single Wednesday. I'm in pretty much all day on Wednesday, and then I have a couple of Bible studies throughout the week as well that I get to do inside facilities and schools and things of that nature. So God keeps us pretty busy. But uh, back in, I guess I want to say April uh, this year. uh, Let me back up. Almost two, over two, right at two years ago now. uh, We was not able to be inside the prison i my best to do anything and everything I possibly could. I uh, went to different facilities. Once like, I, hey, I'll give you material. I've got Bibles. I've got books. What do you want? I'll give it to you. Okay, just let me get something in there, hoping to be able to build a relationship, so that that whenever that way, whenever the facilities did open back up, I would be one of the first ones that they would call. And uh, throughout that, I found out that inside the facilities, they all, just about every single inmate has a tablet. And with that tablet, they have, uh, they have access to educational material. They can also play games, watch movies, things of that nature. The educational side of it is free. However, the games and movies, that side of it is not. So with that, um, I started reaching out to the company that I was originally, put in con- or originally told did the tablets. And it's actually one of the largest companies out there. They service over 3,600 different facilities and I believe it's 40-something different states here in America. And I reached out to them, and I called, I emailed. If I'd have had a phone number, I'd have texted them. I did everything that I knew possible to do to try to get a hold of these people. Never could even get a phone call back. I had called and talked to their help desk. I called and talked to their customer service. I mean, I called, tried to get anybody and everybody on the phone so that way I could find out how to get material on their uh, tablets. Be able to put preaching videos and things of that nature on there and never could. And after, my rule is about three to four times. So I called three or four times and I emailed three or four times. Never heard anything back. And I said, well, God, if you want us on that, you're going to have to do it. I just started praying about it. I asked the Lord to bring it to my mind. I'd pray about it and ask the Lord to do it. And I use it about once a week, sometimes twice a week. Lord bring it to my mind. I'd pray about it. Well, back in probably January, February of this year, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who's also with Rock of Ages, and he made mention of the fact that um, we have been contacted by a company that, I don't want to do that, uh, we have been contacted by a company, one of the smallest companies out there, uh, that has over 150,000 active subscribers and ha- in 25 different states, uh, but they only service, I think it's 140-something different facilities, Okay. So you do the math there 3600, 140 something different facilities. And they actually reached out to us asked if we would be willing to put content onto their tablets. And uh, you said, brother Matthew, what was that? That was an answer to God. that was an answer to prayer that I'd been praying for almost two years. And uh, back in January, February we started making prog- or started making steps for that. Well fast forward to June or July, excuse me, we was at our national conference down in Columbia, South Carolina. And our president, Dr. Terry Ellis, uh, mentioned about the fact that uh, we was going to be doing editing and things of that nature and ask if anybody wanted to be involved in that. Uh, We was having a training class the week of Labor Day there at our home office in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, so I flew down there for that, got involved in that. And we've actually been able to already get two different videos out. Uh, One of those, and I'll actually be working on another one tomorrow. And Lord willing to be able to get those uploaded to these tablets. He said, Brother Matthew, why are you starting out with the smallest one? Because you know whenever you start out small, you start out with the smallest one, you get all your bugs worked out first, right? And then whenever you approach the big company, you say, hey, I've got all the bugs worked out of this, let me put this stuff on there. And we've had to, uh, God's allowed us to be able to purchase a new computer. I was telling the pastor before uh, church, I'm actually fixing to upgrade my phone. Because uh, we use our phones, we have iPhones, we use those to be able to record video and stuff like that on, uh, to be able to put on to these tablets, and then we go in, edit the videos out, things of that nature. God's sending most of the money for that. Uh, it's costing us about $5,000 to do all that. And the computer, I'll tell you this, the computer and some of the programming that we needed to be able to go with that was about 3500 of that, and God's already sent that. You said, Brother Matthew, are you crazy? I said, yes, I am. And I tell you why, because you asked my wife, I I sat down and I said, well, I need this. I think God's going to send it in. I'm going to pray God sends it in. And I went ahead and ordered it. Okay, $3,000 computer. And my wife's like, what? You did what? <laughs> uh, ordered a computer to be able to do all the editing and things of that nature on. But you know what? The Sunday after Labor Day, I just finished a class on Friday I was in a church down in Georgia, preached in a church, one of our supporting churches down in Georgia. I was flying back on Monday. I left church on Sunday night and got a text from a church in Virginia. The pastor said, hey, I just want you to know we're sending you a check for $3,000 to pay for that computer. I said, Brother Matthew, what is that? That's just God honoring that step of faith and taking care of it like you said he would. See, when we got into this thing, I've been doing this for five years now, and whenever we got into it, uh, God gave me a verse. First Thessalonians five twenty four. Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. And for five years now, I've watched God do it, month after month after month. I've watched Him take care of needs. I've watched Him take. No joke. We was at a church in Pensacola, uh, Smyrna Baptist Church. We was down there at that church one week, and we. I was praying. I said, Lord, we need. We need. I think it was like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars, be able to pay the rest of our bills for the month. And I said, Lord. I I don't know that this is going to happen. And this woman walked up to me after church, and I'd mentioned about trying to raise money for Bibles and stuff like that. And she said, uh, She said, God told me to give you this. And brother, honestly, she didn't look like she had two nickels to rub together. She walked up to me, she handed me a check. And I got to look, I looked at it, and it didn't have no name on it. It just said it had the amount, and it had her signature, and it didn't have no name on it. And I said, was well, this for Bibles? And she said, oh, no, God told me to give you that for you. Well, that check's for $500. I said, well, praise God. There's half of it. We go to the next church on Sunday morning, which I had to drive three and a half hours to get to the next church for Sunday morning. We actually spent the week there at their prophet's chambers and drove to the next church on Sunday morning. And I walked in the church, preacher, and you'll have to forgive me, okay? But my faith wasn't real strong, all right? We walked in the church. You may remember the church I'm talking about, Hannah, but we walked in the church. There might have been 15 people there and they looked like they was broke as convicts. I mean, honestly, they didn't look like they had anything. And the preacher walked up to me after church and he handed me a check and then he handed me some money, handed me some cash. Say, said, Brother Matthew, what God do? God used that church and that other church to meet those needs that we had in our lives. You said, Brother Matthew, what would you do? I just said, well, God, if you can take care of it and you can use this church right here that honestly didn't look like they had anything, then God, I'm just going to trust you. And here's the thing. For five years now, I've watched God pay my bills. I've watched God take care of us, and I have no doubt that he'll continue to do so. You say, Brother Matthew, why? There's something about doing God's will, God's way, and God will always give his provisions. The statement goes, God's will done God's way will never lack God's provisions. And can I promise you this morning... There's never been a time that He's not been faithful. There's never been a morning that His mercies weren't new. There's never been a time that He's ever let me down. There's never been a time that He's not just taking care of things. Can I tell you this morning, God is faithful. He said, Brother Matthew, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know where I'm at. No, I don't. But can I tell you this morning, God's faithful. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to you. Here's the thing. You say, oh, Brother Matthew, you're a missionary. And I'm nobody special. You have the same God that I do. You have the same access that I do. If you look out in my license plate on my Suburban this morning, you'll see that license plate says, dream big. Well, here's the thing. that's You can ask my wife. That's what I do. I'm asking God for some big things in my life right now. And here's the thing. Y'all call me crazy if you want to. I just believe he's going to do it. Why? Because I serve a big God. He said he's able to do abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. Now, here's the thing. I can ask a lot of things. Y'all ever got to thinking about some things that you've asked God for the last few years? But then stop and think about What have you just thought about? God can do more than that. But you know what? We have to ask. My son, I'll tell you this, and we'll get into the text this morning. You can go to Romans chapter number 10 this morning. My son, he was two or three years old. And uh, you know how kids are. They, they want to be independent. And uh, he walked in one day, and he was putting on his pants, and I saw him. I said, Ty, do you want me to help you with that? No, Daddy, I got it. I said, okay. So I let him have it. Well, he put two. He put both legs in the same hole. Well, y'all know what's fixing to happen, don't you? He took a couple of steps and flat on his face he went. Well, here's the thing. I looked at him. I said, "Toddy, show me how to." No, Daddy, I got it. Okay. He took both legs out of one hole and put both legs in the other hole. Tiddy, show me how to. No, Daddy, I got it. Okay. He took a couple of steps. Bam! There he goes again. Now, I said, Titus, you want me to help you? He said, will you? Uh You know what? Here's the thing. I was standing there the whole time. All he had to do was ask. How many times is it that God's standing there waiting, ready to do what we're asking or what we're trying to do in the power of the flesh? And How many times does he say, hey, can I help you? No, God, I got it. But you know what? We really don't. And how many times we fall flat on our face when God's standing there right there waiting, willing to help. Over the last year, you've been doing faith promise now for a year. And over the last year, there's no doubt in my mind, there's been times that there's been things come up in your life. There's no doubt in my mind. You said, Brother Matthew, how do you know that? Because you live in the same world I do. You have unexpected expenses just like I do. There's no doubt in my mind there's been things that have come up that it'd been real easy. Well, it's faith promise. So it's not technically commanded, so I don't really have to give that. So I'll use that to pay this bill. But you made a promise. And you made it by faith. And see, here's the thing. Even as a missionary, you know what I participate in? Faith promise. I give to missions too. You said, preacher, why? Because I can't rightly come in here and preach to you about giving to missions if I ain't doing it. Mm -hmm. Right? But if you go to Romans chapter number 10 with me real quickly, I want to just read three verses of Scripture in your hearing this morning. One of them just because I like the verse because it makes the Calvinist mad. (laughs) Uh... If you don't know what a Calvinist is, consider yourself fortunate, okay? Uh, Romans chapter number 10. Look at verse number 13. This is the one that makes a Calvinist man, okay? What does it say? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall I be saved. Amen. We still believe that, don't we? Amen. Hey, here's the thing. If you're breathing this morning and you've never been saved by the grace of God, guess what? You're a good candidate. Because here's the thing, as long as you're still breathing, you still have an opportunity. The last time I checked, everybody in here breathing, everybody in here is a human being. Nobody in here came from another planet. You might look like you, you did, but you did not. We're all human, right? That's right? And as long as we're breathing, as long as you're breathing, we still have the opportunity to be a whosoever. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall we say. But then look at what he said in verse number 13. He said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, why are they not calling? Why are they not believing? Well, look at what the next question is. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Well, then I guess they better get to listening then, right? But look at what the next question is. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, then that begs the question in my mind, then why ain't nobody going and preaching? Somebody needs to go and tell them. He said there in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37-38, he said, pray ye therefore the Lord the harvest that he would send forth laborers in his harvest. But here's the thing, you look all around us, especially here in New England, hey, the fields are white. We live... I, I hate that saying, New England's dead. It drives me crazy every time I hear it. Because here's the thing, New England's not dead. Here's the thing, I see different churches popping up all over the place that God's moving and God's working. And here's the thing, that's happening right here in New England. The last time I checked, the God that I serve is still alive. That's right. The God that I serve is still on his throne. But here's the problem with New England. Nobody's going to tell him. It's not the New England's dead. It's that nobody's going to tell him. He said, then how then shall they hear without a preacher? Go to verse number 15. He said, and how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, how are they sent? They're sent out by churches. You know what? You have the opportunity, and I get to be a representative of East Bay Baptist Church this morning, and you have sent us out to work on your behalf in the prisons and schools here in New England. The missionaries that you have on the wall out here, there's a, a brother Gage there in Massachusetts that's planting a church. Guess what? He is a representative of East Bay Baptist Church, as you have sent him out. How did you send him out? You give him money so that that way he can go. The other ones that you support, guess what? You know how I get sent out? I'm sent out by over a hundred churches and individuals every single month. And you know what they do? They send me out. They send that money in every single month. Why? So that that way I can go tell somebody else about Jesus. It goes on to say, and how shall they or excuse me, how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Can I give you three things this morning and I promise I'm gonna give you the first I'm going to give you the last two before I give you the first one, all right? Y'all ready? The first, the last two are going to go quick. The first one's the one I want to focus in. But I want to look first off at the mindset of missions, and we'll come back to that one. But then the second one, what about the motive of missions? Why do we have missions? What's to tell about Him, right? We're not going into all the world and preaching Matthew. We're not going into all the world and telling them about uh, Tony, Pastor Tony. We're not going into all the world and telling about East, ba- East Bay Baptist Church. No, we're going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The death, burial, and bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going in and preaching ourselves. We're going in and preaching Him. So the motive of missions is to tell of Him. But then it's also to teach about Him. In Matthew chapter number 16, I think I forget the exact reference, Matthew chapter 28. If you look there in the last verse there, Matthew 28 I'll get over there because I don't want to misquote it. Matthew 28, he said in verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And look what he said in verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Well, here's the thing. You know what the natural progression of things is? We're supposed to go. But then when we go, we're supposed to teach and we're supposed to preach about Him. But then once we've done that and we've won somebody to Jesus, then guess what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to teach them. My son, he's eight years old. You know what I get the privilege to do? I get the privilege to teach him stuff. My wife, we homeschool our children. My wife, on a daily basis, she gets to teach him. Here's the thing at the end of the day, whenever a new convert, there's a gentleman that I got to lead to the Lord back in July of last year. He comes to my office on a regular basis and we sit down across the table and guess what I'm doing? I'm teaching him. I'm discipling him. I'm teaching him what the Word of God says. Why? Because once I tell him, then he'll go tell somebody else. Once I teach him how to do it, guess what he'll do? He'll go teach somebody else. He'll go reach somebody. Here's the goal. The goal of the Christian living, the goal of the Christian life is not to, well, I'm I'm saved, so I'm going to keep it all to myself. No, the goal of the Christian life is to multiply. The goal of the Christian life is to say, hey, this is the greatest thing that I've ever experienced. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And because of that, I want to tell somebody else. And because I tell somebody else, I'm going to teach them all about it. So that that way, they can go tell somebody. You know what missions is? It's one beggar telling another beggar about a place that you can find bread. That's all it is. We're just the one nobody telling another nobody about somebody that can save anybody, and here's the thing he'll change anybody's life for time and for eternity, but they have to know about it first. The motive of missions is to tell of him, the motive of missions is to teach others. But then the motive of missions is to train others. How many of y'all wants a bunch of robots sitting around? Not me. But here's the thing. If we sat here and we compared, and I, I don't know that, if we sat here and compared soul winning styles, brother, your style's going to be different than mine is. I promise you. Because you have an accent, and so do I. But people look at me and they say, you ain't from here, are you? <laughs> nope. What was your first clue? And they look at me and they say, why in the world would you leave the south to move up here to the cold? Well, guess what? The door just opened. But most of the time, if I'm standing at the gas pump, which I seem to frequent nowadays and have for the last five years, <laughs> seems like gas don't go nowhere near as far as it used to. <laughs> used to, I visited a couple, every couple of weeks. Now it's every couple of days, feels like. You know what? When I'm standing at the gas pump, I carry around some gospel tracks in the door of my vehicle so that that way, when I'm standing there at the gas pump, I look over the person and I say, Hey, has anybody told you Jesus loves you today? Amen. Well, no. Can I be the first to tell you Jesus loves you? You don't witness to people like that. And if you do, that's fine. But that's what works for me. You know what we all figure out once we do it for a while? We figure out what works for us and what don't. See that probably wouldn't work for you, but because I'm a Southerner, and here's the thing: I've learned this about New Englanders. Okay, y'all don't talk. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not picking on New Englanders this morning. I feel like I'm becoming one. All right, (laughs) but if somebody looks at you and if if you throw a hand up at somebody and say, "Hey, how you doing?" they look at you. What do you want? (laughs) Am I wrong? Okay? But because I'm from the south and I've got that southern draw which I don't know that I'll ever lose I can say, hey, how you doing today? And immediately, oh, this guy's not from here. unless lets their guard down a little bit. Or in some cases it puts it even higher, right? But here's the thing. You know what we're doing? We're training people. There's only one way to win somebody to God. Am I right? There's one way to, let me rephrase. There's one way to get to God. Is that right? Right. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But you witnessing to somebody will do it different than I do. And how I train people might not be how you train people. Does that make sense? But the motive of missions, here's the thing. Every one of these church planters is out here on this wall. Every missionary that's a church planter going to another country or even here in this country, their goal is not to get in there and do everything themselves. I was talking to the brother back here in the sound booth, and I, he said, yeah, we came over here. to a young church. And he said, we came over here partly because we knew there would be a lot of opportunities. Well, here's the thing. I promise you. Brother, you wasn't trying to do everything yourself. Whenever they showed up, you was like, oh, you want to do this? Okay, here <laughs> you go. Know. Why? Because I'd have been that way. Take something off of me. There's other things to do, but here's the thing. Somebody's got to vacuum the floors. Somebody's got to make sure the bathrooms are clean. Somebody's got to run the sound system. Somebody's got to lead this thing. Somebody's got to do all these things. But you know how you get somebody to do those things? You train them. There are guys that come into services. There's a guy that I've been working with up in Berlin. He's not quite there yet. So what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to train him to lead singing. Well, Brother Matthew, he's in prison. Yeah, but he's saved. He can lead singing. Just because he's an inmate doesn't mean he can't lead singing. Here's the thing. You don't even have to be able to sing to be able to lead singing. You just have to know what the words are. I know, I know. We need to be formal. And do, do, do. You know, When <laughs> y'all going to think I'm funny. When we was in churches down south and they did this, I used to make fun of them.
0: <laughs>
1: okay? Now I'm going to come up here and every church does this. And I'm like, my dad, all, my whole life growing up, he did this number. And I, I used to make fun of him. And now everywhere I go. But you know what? That's how he was trained. The guy in the prison, you know what? I'm not training him to do this. You know why? I don't know how to do this. But here's the thing. If I do it, honestly, it's going to look like I'm just waving my arms. That's all I'm doing, right? But the motive of missions is to tell others about him. Yeah. The motive of missions is not just to tell, but to teach and to train others. But what about the method of missions? And I'm getting bogged down. But what about the method of missions? Can I give you three, four things on here? Real quick, I'm going I'm to try to get done with these quickly. The method of missions is we go to our community. What did Jesus say? Or excuse me, what did, what's the book actually? say? To Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Is that right? Well, what's, your, what's Jerusalem for you? It's right here. Judea is Rhode Island. Samaria would be the states. Am I right? And the uttermost would be the world. Now I'm not saying we keep all our missions money right here in America. I think that's wrong just like I think sending all your missions money abroad is wrong. I don't have book, chapter, and verse on that. That's Frankology, okay? I'll tell you that up front. But we need to be worried about reaching our community. You know why? Because your community is where people are going to come from. We see, how do we do that? We do it through visitation. We go door knocking. We do it through gospel tracts. We do it through personal soul winning. Here's the thing. He doesn't say, go ye. He doesn't say, hey, tell somebody else to go. He says, go ye into all the world. Can I translate that into New England? Go you. You go. Don't tell somebody else to go. You go. Stop preaching. Oh, well, somebody else ought to go do it. Well, what about you go do it? Personal someone, and not only that, not just our community. What about our country? When's the last time you went on a mission trip? When's the last time you went out west? When's the last time you went down south? When's the last time you went over to the, way over to the west, out to California? When's the last time you did a mission trip? Can I encourage you? If you've never been on any kind of mission trip, would you go at least one time in your life? Why? It'll change your outlook. I remember the first time we came to New England and I sat down across the table from a man that was in his late 30s inside the prison and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I've never heard what you talked about tonight. I've heard it multiple times. Come go to prison with me. I dare you. Please, honestly, if you want to go to prison with me, let me know. I'll be glad to get you clear. I'll take you in there and let you see some of the stuff. I'll take you to Berlin and let you go into prison Revival revive and see how things are done. I'll take you over here, Rhoda. I'll take you to any facility you want to go to that I'm involved in. I'll take you. Why? Because you need to see it. What does the book of Lamentations say? My eye affected what? My heart. And if you'll be able to see it, See, I I encourage you, the gauges, they're not too far from here, maybe an hour. I encourage you, take a Sunday with your pastors from your mission if he's okay with it. Go up there and see what they go through. Go and see what all these other, go to these other countries and see what they're going through. Take mission trips, but not only that, what about sending missionaries? That's why we're here, that's why we have, that's why October is y'all's missions month. You're having a missions conference next week, you're having a guy from India in. Go on a mission trip. Not only just our community, our country, but what about creation? Do you realize there's 190-something different countries in this world? 190-something. That is mind-boggling to me. But when's the last time you win? When's the last time you said, hey, I can't go on a mission trip to this foreign country, but I can pick a missionary and pray for them on a daily basis? Can I be blunt for just a moment? You know why we give these out? You know why every missionary that comes through these doors gives these out? Because we want you to pray for us. Amen. Because even if you can't give, you can pray. That's right. All of our information on there, my name, my phone number, how long we've been in the ministry, what we're doing, everything is on My website's even on there. If you want to know more about me, my life is an, honestly, my life is an open book. And you might say, well, Brother brother Matthew, I just don't like you. That's fine. There's a lot of people out there that don't. But here's the thing. Get involved. That's That's the method of mission. But let me go back real quickly. And I want to give you this last thing and I'll be done. What about the mindset of missions? We talked about the motive. We talked about the method. But what about the mindset of missions? Rachel, what is a mindset? Well, number one, it's a mindset of going. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 8. If you want to turn there real quickly, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8. If I can get there. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 8. The Bible says, Also, I heard a voice, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Can I be honest with you? Nine years ago, almost 10 years ago now, I sat down in my wife's aunt's living room in West Sumner. Is that right? West Sumner, Maine. And she made the comment. She said, "Brother," Ma-, or she, she didn't say Brother Matthew, but she said, Matthew, she said, you ought to move up here. We need people like you up here. And in my flesh, and even out loud, I said, I will never move up here. Well, two years ago, I moved up here. Now, I still kept the part that said, I will never move up here, meaning Maine, okay? You got to be a different kind of breed to go to Maine, okay? And I'm not saying I'll never move to Maine, but God, please don't send me to Maine, all right? I don't mind visiting. I don't mind going every once in a while, but please don't leave me in Maine. But here's the thing. I Honestly, it's a beautiful place. But there's a reason they call Mainers maniacs, okay? And honestly, y'all have probably met a few of them. But here's the thing. I said, I'll never move up there. You know what I did? I said, God, I'm not willing to go wherever you want me to go. Still remember a Sunday morning. July, June, July, something like that. There was a group, a Bible college group came in and they sang a song that Sunday morning. Empty me of me, so I can be used by you. God emptied me that morning. Told me I was gonna go with Rock of Ages. And then year, not even a year later, he said, Hey, you're gonna move to New England. <laughs> you know what I said? Hear my Lord, send me. He said, Brother Matthew, you think you're going to be able to reach all of New England? No. But God can. See, I'm already praying for, I'll tell you something I'm praying specifically about. I'm praying for six other Rock of Ages missionaries to be raised up from right here in New England and one for every single state, and they work the prisons in their state, and I get to assist them and come alongside them and help them as they work their prisons and keep them supplied with material and Bibles and help them preach revival meetings and help them do visitation and things of that nature. You say, Brother Matthew, that's... that. that. I know it's hard, but you know what I've watched God do? I've already watched God do what many people thought was impossible. When we first started praying about New England, I had I don't know how many missionaries tell me, Brother Matthew, don't go to New England. You won't get support there. We've got 20, 25 churches here in New England that support us. Why? Because God did that. But somebody had to be willing to go first. Can I ask you a question? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? I'm not asking you if you're willing to go across the country. I'm not asking you if you're willing to go overseas and go to somewhere that nobody else ever... I just met a missionary this week going... or last week going to Macedonia. As far as we know, there's no other missionary going to Macedonia. I'm not asking you if you're willing to go to Macedonia. I'm asking you would you be willing to go across the street. Go across town? How many of y'all can get gas on a regular basis? I do. Sometimes two, sometimes three times a week. But when's the last time instead of paying at the pump, you went in and you talked to that cashier and you genuinely was interested in that cashier? And you took just a second out of your day to say, hey, how's your day going? And you actually waited for a response. Brother Matthew, you're being ugly. No, no, no. Here's the thing you know what part of going across the street is? It's showing interest in somebody else's life. Because without it, you'll never be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a mindset of going personally. You go. But then, not only that, it's a mindset of going prayerfully. Send someone or pray for someone. Those missionaries that's out there get their prayer cards, get their newsletter. Read it. Pray over their requests. Pray for them specifically. Pray for their ministries. Pray that God will bless them. But here's the thing. Whenever they, when God puts them on your mind, that's when it's time to pray for them. Have them on your list. But if some point throughout the day God says, hey, you remember that big missionary that's working in prisons? That big, ugly, bald-headed fellow with a beard that ain't all there? And in your mind you think, yeah, I remember that guy, he was weird. That's when you pray for me. Because if I'm if God's brought you back to my about brought you back, brought me back to your mind, something might be going on. And I might need prayer at that specific moment. Pray for your missionaries. Hey, it's more than just put money in the offering plate. So oftentimes our mindset concerning missions is well. I put money in the offering plate. That's all I got to do. Well, preacher, I hope you don't get offended at me when I say this. Nowhere in Scripture is it said for you to put money in the offering plate outside of your tithes. You're not commanded to give a mission offering. Are we okay? I can't find it in Scripture, preacher. I can find where the Bible says God loved the cheerful giver. But newsflash, you'll take it from a grouch too. Okay? I promise you every month when I get my, when we get our deposit every month, I promise you, I don't stop and think, well, I wonder who was grouchy when they put their mission money in. <laughs> I don't think that. I promise you. I shout glory and I pay bills, all right? But here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're not commanded to give a mission offering. But you are commanded to go. You're not told, hey, make sure you put money in the mission offer. But you are said, hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Brother Matthew, I'll just quit giving the missions and I'll start going. Okay, but I promise you, you start going, God will start telling you, hey, why don't you reach somewhere else? Well, God, I can't go to that foreign country. No, but there's a missionary that just came through here that if you give a little bit more to missions, you'd be able to support them. Y'all see how that works? If we'll start going, you know what we'll do? We'll not just get a burden for our community. We'll start getting a burden for our country. And we'll start getting a burden for creation. A mindset of going personally, not only a mindset of going uh, prayerfully, a mindset, number three, mindset of going positionally. Send somebody else. Here's the thing. You might be older. You might be well on up in years. And physically, you can't go. But you can send somebody or you may, ha- you may be here, and I know several people that I really truly believe that God was calling them to go to go into missions, but they had so much debt on them that they couldn't trust God enough to pay their bills because they did have so much debt that they didn't go. You so, Brother Matthew, that, that's me. Then pray God send somebody else and give so that that way you can send somebody else not only a mindset of going, number two, it's a mindset of giving. And I still ain't the money yet. It's a mindset of giving of yourself. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse number one and verse number two? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? Yourself, a living sacrifice. Or present your body a living sacrifice. Wholly, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. In other words, it's not even anything spectacular. It's just reasonable. Here's the thing. I can't find anywhere in Scripture, and if you can find it, you come up to me after service and let me know, but I can't find anywhere in Scripture all throughout the 20 years now. I've been studying the Word of God and preaching, and went to I've got Bible college education, all these different things, and throughout all my studies, I can't find anywhere in Scripture where Christ asked me to die for Him but I can find in Scripture where Christ asked me to live for Him. As a matter of fact, I can find over in Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians one, uh, 4, verse number 2, he said, moreover, it is what? Required. In other words, it's not an option. It's required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. When my kids and my wife walk by my casket or let 100 years, or not 100 years, let's see, I'm 36, so 64 years from now, whenever I turn 100 years old and God takes me on home, and people are walking by my casket, I don't want them to say, man, now, he was a great preacher. And if they do, praise the Lord. But when they walk by my casket, I want them to be able to say, he never gave up, he never quit, he was faithful. When I get home, here's the thing. It's not my intention for God to sing my praises, but it is my intention for me to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The mindset of missions, it's a mindset of going, it's a mindset of giving of yourself. Not only that, giving of your supplication. Not just giving yourself, but giving of your supplication. Hey, what if you took two minutes out of your day and prayed for one missionary? And you prayed for them physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, emotionally, and you prayed specifically. Hey, do you realize, Here's the thing: do you you do realize that ministry takes an emotional toll on you? Right? They talked. I went to a dinner last night for Christian Aftercare Ministries. It's an organization that helps um, men that men and women that when they get out of prison that's planning on settling in Hillsborough County there in New Hampshire. They help him with housing. They help him get a job. They help him with uh, different things and try to help him not go back to prison. And the gentleman, the guy that the director stood up last night and he talked about a man that I know. And they've been trying to help this guy for 15 years. And he'll go to prison and he'll get out and he'll do good. He'll go to prison, he'll get out and he'll do good. Last time he got out, they said he got married to a Christian woman. A year into the marriage, she left him. He's still on drugs. He's still hooked on pornography. She left him. That's where he ended up back. Ended up back in prison. He got saved several months ago. God's changed his life. But you know what had to happen? He had to hit rock bottom first. Mm -hmm. Do you know why he was able to go and able to do and able to continue going back to that same place? Because somebody was praying. And somebody was saying, you know what? I understand it's taking an emotional toll on me. Here's the thing. Whenever someone, I don't know how you are preacher, but when you invest your life into somebody and then they turn around and do the exact opposite of what you asked them to do, It's emotionally draining. It's mentally draining. Hey, there are days that I go home, you ask my wife, there are days I get home from the office or get home from being out on the road all day, being in different prisons and schools, and I get home, and honestly, I just want to sit there. I don't want to do anything. Don't talk to me. Don't come to me. I know that's a horrible way. I know. Y'all pray for me, okay? It's just mentally draining. And I'm not complaining by any stretch of imagination. But here's the thing. When's the last time you prayed for that missionary? When's the last time you prayed for your pastor that way? When's the last time you prayed for your pastor's wife that way? You know, I learned this from pastoring that if they can't get to me, they'll get to my wife. Now, I've already talked about this in Sunday school, so I'm trying not to dwell on it this morning. But here's the thing. It's draining. Be a ministry. See, the thing with the pastor is he knows, he knows everybody's problems. Because either a he can see him or b you've told him about him. See, you might think, well, he he should be dealing with that. What about just praying for him? Let God handle that. Give of yourself. Give of your supplication. Lastly, and I'm done. I'll preach a whole lot longer than I intended to, but lastly, give of your silver. I've already said, nowhere in Scripture can I find that it's commanded to give a mission offering. Everywhere that I find mission offering in Scripture, it's always under the terms. Or it's under, always under the description, I guess you would say would be the word there, of a free will offering. It's not commanded. You don't have to give. Do you know what the Bible says over Second Corinthians chapter number 9? That they gave to prove the sincerity of their love to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter eight, I think it is, that they gave of them. They gave. They first gave themselves. And once you know, if we had a big offering plate this morning, I'm gonna get down here. Hope I don't make nobody nervous. I've already walked around more than what most times I do. But you know, if we was to put a big offering plate here this morning, you know. If I step into that big offering plate, you know what just went in that offering plate along with me? My wallet. And See, if I will give God myself first, I won't have no problem giving my silver. I won't have no problem giving money because God's already got me. And when he got me, he didn't just get me, he got my wallet too. So oftentimes I really truly believe and maybe I'm wrong but I really truly believe that one of the reasons why people don't give to missions because God don't have them. You say, Brother Matthew, you just said it wasn't commanded. I understand that. Do you know what the Bible says? That they gave of their own power yea and beyond their power. How did they do that? Because they first gave them their own selves. I ask you a question this morning. I'm done. The preacher's fishing come. Can I ask you a question? What's your mindset concerning missions? I don't understand why we have this missions they were door, da, 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 da. I don't know why we send all that money. Out. Hey, you said Brother Matthew, that don't happen. I promise you it does. It might not have happened here, but I promise you it happens. And what he said this morning about everything that you give to missions doesn't go to pay the bills of the church. It goes to pay the missionaries. That's the way it ought to be. Right. But I can't tell you how many churches have said, well, you know, if we take some of that missions money, we could, we could do a lot more around here. That ain't how God orchestrated that. Hey, if, you, if there's a $1,000 a month that comes in designated to worldwide missions, guess where it ought to go? Worldwide missions, but if there's five hundred dollars even if somebody dropped a ten thousand dollar check in there this morning for worldwide missions, man, we could do a lot with ten thousand dollars, but if it's designated worldwide mission, you guess where it ought to go Worldwide missions why? Because God blesses that. You show me a church that's growing, you show me a church that's that God is blessing, and I'll show you a church that God that God is using to get the gospel not just to their community but to the entire world because they're given to missions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege, the opportunity you give me to stand and preach your word. What I...